The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. of the Roto World Football Podcast. As you know, it's the most important podcast in the universe. It's week 17, the last week of the NFL season. Thank you for tuning in each and every week to the three podcasts we have on Mon- on Tuesdays, on Thursdays, and on Fridays. We've gotten a lot of cool messages throughout this week after the championships of your fantasy playoffs that we helped you all out, and that's awesome. You helped us out. I mean, you kept us employed. That's awesome. And we're glad that you enjoyed the content. Enjoyed the podcasts, enjoyed the blurbs, enjoyed the features, all that good stuff, the videos, the show, and that it helped you along the way. Um, and if you have any any more of those, I'm open. I put each one puts a smile on my face. Let's put it that way. Uh, you can also tell that I am on a different setup this week. Yeah, that's the right way to say it because I'm on the road. I'm in Charlotte, finally eating some grits, collard greens, barbecue, all that good stuff. Um, so if it sounds a little bit different, one, I apologize, but two, I don't think it's going to be too awful for you to turn off this podcast. And speaking of this podcast, later on, we have Roto Pat to discuss the NFC section of the playoff picture. That means first up, we have Evan Silva. Evan writes the matchups column, as you know, on Roto World. And if you enjoy this podcast at any moment, hit that subscribe button. And Evan, we are going to talk about the AFC showdown. Quickly, let me say how the AFC playoff picture is looking right now. Um, because we know that Week 17 doesn't feature all competitive games, because a lot of these teams have things locked up. Kansas City, New England, Houston, and the Chargers are all locked into the playoffs, possibly in different orders, but what we care about is teams that are in. So really the two games we're going to focus on, Evan, are Baltimore-Cleveland and Indianapolis-Tennessee. Let's start with Baltimore and Cleveland. Evan, I'll, I'll make this question simple. Since Week 11, with Lamar Jackson taking over as the starter on the Ravens, how have you seen this team evolve with him at the helm? Well, the most obvious change is that the Ravens have gone from leading the NFL in pass attempts per game with Joe Flacco under center in weeks one through 10 to becoming the most run heavy team in the NFL in weeks 11 through 16. So it does not get any more dramatic and offensive change Mm -hmm. than that. And they're also to the point where, I mean, they can have three fantasy-caliber rushers in the same game. And what I mean by that is that Lamar Jackson accrues so much of his fantasy production on the ground, and Gus Edwards has been pretty solid RB2. He doesn't catch enough passes in PPR leagues. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he did have one last week. Was, excuse me, excuse deal. me. <laughs> it was a huge deal that he had a 13-yard reception. I was like... I was watching it, and I was like, that couldn't have been Gus. Yeah. <laughs> it couldn't have been Gus, and it was, man. 
He is the but, definition um, of like a north south runner, isn't he? Just like oh, yeah. going forward. That's it. He has some great runs just straight up the middle. Yeah. You know? He's like and good Andre could, Williams. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If Andre Williams had been as decisive right. as he as Gus Edwards has been. Yeah, and they can have like three fantasy caliber rushers because Lamar Jackson is getting a ton of his points on the ground. And of course, Gus Edwards and Kenneth Dixon uh, has emerged as a factor with double digit touches in each of the last two weeks. Even Kenneth Dixon, who's, you know, more of the passing game back, he's mm-hmm. not catching passes. I mean, he's got, he had two catches last week and one the week before, and then one the week before that, and one the week before that. Can I, so, can I ask this question, Evan? Yeah. Is, is, yeah. is that because that's just Lamar's style? Is that because Lamar isn't the type that will, you know, check it down in the structure of the play to the running back that's the outlet pass? I think it's a combination of several factors. Um, What you just mentioned, for sure. Um, Also, just bringing down their pass attempts per game, chopping them in half. Because they were were averaging 43 pass attempts per game with Joe Flacco, and now they're down to like half of that. So – and then you combine it with, yeah, I mean, Lamar is likelier to take off than, you know, dump dump it down to check it down. And that's fine. That's That has been the case for a lot of mobile quarterbacks throughout the years. And it's something that I think that they're probably going to have to work on with him if they go into next season with him as their starter. Um, as for how this change has affected opponents, hmm. it's also been pretty dramatic. I, I went through and just looked at all the teams that they have played since Lamar Jackson took over under center, how many plays they ran against the Ravens, and then how many plays they ran offensively against uh, every other team. And, I mean, like the Chargers ran, you know, uh, well, the Chargers actually were, were one of the, um, the the teams that kind of escaped with a decent, they, they lost like six offensive plays off of their season average. Uh, the Falcons lost, uh, like 19 plays off of their wow. season average. The Buccaneers lost 22 plays off of their season average. And overall, if you leave out the Kansas City game, which went to overtime, and you know that's going to skew the number of plays. Um, and that you know the the Ravens lost that game on the road, 27 to 24. But if you leave out that game and you just isolate the other five starts that Lamar Jackson has had, opponents are averaging 10.9 fewer offensive plays per game, which is almost 20 percent of their usual offensive volume workload. So, you know, and then you combine that with the fact that the Ravens have the best defense in the AFC, you know, like a couple of years ago, the, the Cowboys kind of did this and they would shave off play volume, but their defense wasn't very good. It wasn't bad. Right. It wasn't terrible, but it was like middle of the road to a little bit below average. The Ravens have an actually elite defense. And so you combine like you are trying you're trying to you know outscore the Ravens um, with you know chopping off 20 percent of your offensive play volume, and then when you do get to go on the field, you have to face the best defense in the AFC. You might have like six drives a game against the Ravens. Right. I mean, we, we hear that like narrative and that trope a lot from announcers, and I know you mute them, Evan, but from someone that has to listen to them, <laughs> um, that like well. The plan here is for the offense to hold onto the ball as long as possible so the opposing offense doesn't get the ball, you know? And, like, that doesn't happen. Like, you want to score points, and sometimes that happens quickly. But with the Ravens, I'm not saying they don't want to score points, but the Ravens are actually doing that, which is super interesting. I know we're spending a lot of time on on the Ravens and Lamar here, Evan, but when I watch Lamar, and especially in, like, that Chargers game, like, he's so close to being there, you know? Like, he's Mm -hmm. so close to kind of going over the hill 
and being on like not the downside, but on like the almost everything is a positive play. Um, he's so electric and so fun to watch. And I'm not saying he's you know a mobile quarterback or just an athletic quarterback. I don't think that's true. I think he's he's a pocket passer plus because we see him work in the pocket inside of structure a lot, and then he leaves and takes off and is just again absolutely electric in that area. But like if some of those edges were refined just a little bit, we could have something truly special here with Lamar Jackson. Yeah, and he's really young. I mean, he's going to be turning 22 next month. So this was his age 21 season. Um, you know, Sam Darnold was the youngest week one NFL starter in quarterback in, 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 in NFL history. And he's only, you know, six months older than Lamar. So hmm. Lamar is like really young and you saw in college how he kept getting better every year as a passer. And I think that in the NFL, we should expect a similar upward trajectory this upcoming off season. You know, he's going to get all the first team reps. He's going to get in some playoff experience if they take care of business in this game and he of course will have had at very least uh the seven nfl regular season starts in a lot of you know um in, in a lot of favorable situations they've definitely played some some weak opponents um but i mean i think that the the upward trajectory should continue to be expected for lamar jackson and um i'm with you i mean he he still has a lot of throws that are just like oof. yeah yeah you know? i mean he, he definitely does like just but he also misses. has he also has big play moments. I mean, that Mark Andrews play last week was just thrilling. A, oh, my God. Just a dime. Just a dime. Yeah. And Mark Andrews, by the way, you know, they drafted a, a tight end ahead of Lamar by the name of Hayden Hurst. He is, like, buried on the depth chart compared yeah. to uh, Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews has emerged as their primary tight end as the season has played out. I, I do wonder about that dynamic moving forward because we also know that Hayden Hurst is older. He's, like, 25 mm -hmm. already. Um, and how, I mean, I go back to our preseason podcast, Evan, and we were kind of excited for Hayden Hurst, not as an individual necessarily, but as a part of that Ravens offense, because immediately from that first preseason game, he was being used in that short and intermediate level, like Dennis Pitta, mm -hmm. like just being fed targets. Right. And then he got hurt, broke his foot, I believe missed a whole bunch of time. And Mark Andrews was hot and cold. I mean, they had like three tight ends they were using and now they're using four. Um, but I am interested in that dynamic because obviously Mark Andrews was Baker Mayfield's tight end in Oklahoma, and he's kind of succeeded in like a super poor man Travis Kelsey way of intermediate and downfield portion of the field throws and had some yards after catch capability as well. And we saw that um, last weekend. So it's a fun one to watch. Um, and yeah, I'm kind of, you know, Baltimore's the type of team that could disrupt that AFC bracket, and, and that would be fun as well. Um, again, if. Yeah. Mark Andrews is interesting. He, to me, he, uh, like he's like a vertical seam running tight end. Yeah. And he reminded me coming out of Tony Scheffler, mm -hmm. uh, old, old Broncos, mm -hmm. the uh, Broncos tight end that played under like Mike Shanahan. And, um, I think he's played out like exactly like that. You know, I, I get most of my draft evaluations wrong, but I think that so far, <laughs> um, well, so does the NFL Evan. So you're not alone. Yeah, there. true. <laughs> True. Uh, but I think that so far he's played out like exactly like that. And um, it'll be interesting to see him grow, grow with Lamar as well. For sure. Um, okay. Again, if Baltimore wins, they are in and they lock up the AFC North, which means they get a home playoff game. Um, okay. And then we'll move on over to that Indianapolis Colts, Tennessee game, because once again, the team that wins that is in the loser is out. Evan, let's start with Indianapolis. Um, Indy is a team I don't think they were a bad team considering their talent 
Like they, they certainly did not underperform earlier in the season, but they racked up losses. And now they are a super fun team to watch with Andrew Luck running completely on all cylinders on offense with some great protection. Marlon Mack gets it going, especially in games where they have positive game script. Yeah, absolutely. And they are catching the Titans here in a very favorable spot because the Titans just had to place Jarrell Casey, probably their best defensive player on injured reserve and may be without their starting quarterback uh, or their car- their starting quarterback, Marcus Mariota, um, could be like subject to in-game setbacks or well short of 100%. So, you know, from that standpoint, like the Colts are, the Colts really couldn't ask for more um, edges. Uh, and if you just, if you look at how the, the Titans defense, how their season has gone in like the back half. So they, they actually faced Andrew Luck in week 11. That of course was at Lucas Oil Stadium in, in Indianapolis. So the Colts had the whole home field advantage, but Luck just rocked them. I mean, uh, season highs in yards per pass attempt, 10.2 quarterback rating, 143.8 Colts crushed them 38 to 10. And then the next week, Deshaun Watson tore up the Titans uh, he was the overall quarterback one that week in fantasy. And then the Titans went on a four-game run where they faced Josh McCown, Cody Kessler, Eli Manning, and Josh Johnson. So they have not really faced a starting caliber quarter quarterback since week 12. Hmm. Here we are in week 17. Um, Andrew Luck, another a, a thing that has kind of gone a little bit overlooked for Andrew Luck is he's running more. Uh, he's averaging 16.3 rushing yards per game over his last four, only averaged two rushing yards per game in weeks one through 12. The Titans have been vulnerable to quarterback runs this year. I mean, I think that Andrew Luck, the way that he has performed, I think he's performed at an M- MVP level this year. Um, you know, I think that I would actually have him higher in my MVP voting than Drew Brees based on uh, their, their their stretch run performance. I think that Drew Brees has not played at a particularly high level, at least until that Pittsburgh game. Um, I think he went about six weeks and just not playing well on the road like that matters. Correct. You know what I'm saying? Like that's a consistent Andrew part Luck of his has, game. Andrew Luck has played really well on the road and Drew Brees has not. And look, you know, it's great if you can light up you know, defenses when you're in your home place, but we, we want to see you, you know, performing well in tough environments as well. And Andrew Luck has done that. And Patrick Mahomes has done that, you know, to, so to me, those guys would be my one and two for NFL MVP. Um, and then Marlon Mack, he was kind of a dud last week. You know, he had the monster game in week uh, 15 and then in week 16, the giants jumped out to what, like a, two or three score lead. I think yeah. they were up by 17 and nothing at one point. And that's never going to help. You know, that's always going to be a bad, uh, bad situation for a running back who um, really doesn't catch passes. I mean, Marlon Mack doesn't have more than two receptions in any game this year. Naheem Hines comes in, plays more in those situations. Um, and he's averaging five catches per game over the last month. I do think that this, you know, kind of sets up as a, a positive game script, game for the Colts and uh and um and I think that Marlon Mack can have a big game and I think that his matchup is significantly improved by Jarrell Casey's absence what has gone into the extremes that we've seen from Derrick Henry this season really the Titans backfield in general I mean I know you pointed to them going on this winning streak and a lot of it is due to the quarterbacks that they faced but that can't necessarily be 
said for Derrick Henry other than positive game script where like they face the Jaguars defense and he just roasts them for, you know, tons and tons of yards and touchdowns and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, earlier in the season, I mean, we thought Deion Lewis was the feature back because he had multiple better games. What has gone into these extremes with Derrick Henry and such positive play as we've seen of late? I think that the easy, and they've done it without Jack Conklin too. Yeah. Um, I think that the easiest explanation, the first one that I would, I would go to would be just making a commitment to this being the way that you're going to play. And, you know, Derrick Henry gets buried in the backfield once, like you're going back to him. You know, you're not, you're not giving him seven to 11 carries anymore. He is the, the centerpiece of your offense. And I think that that's a tough way to play like sustainably over the long term. Um, but I think that it can work in short uh, for short periods of time, especially when you complement it with a good defense. Now, I don't know if the Titans have a good defense right now. Again, we just saw them play a four game stretch of backup caliber quarterbacks and they yeah. just lost Jarrell Casey. You know, so I and I, I think they have a lot of good individual players on defense. Um, I really I like Adore Jackson. I really I love Kevin Byard. Um, you know, Rashawn Evans, I think, has shown up a lot more in the second half of the season after starting pretty slow. Um, but I, I, I'm just, I, I'm not sure because we have not seen them play a legitimate offense in, in quite a long time. Evan, who has the remote from the Titans? Is it, is it Bo Scaife? Is it, is it Kevin Dyson? Tyrone Calico? Oh, man. Do you remember, do you remember um, that running back out of Arizona? Who was like Chris Henry? Yeah, the most extreme straight line runner like you've ever seen in your life. Like could run a four three forward and also fumbled fumbled <laughs> whenever you like touched his shoulder. Uh, any any other names come up for you, Evan? That, that was a lot of them. Yeah, I mean, the when I really started playing fantasy football, uh, one of the biggest like I, I won the league when I had Billy Volick and Drew Bennett. Yep. Didn't Drew yeah, Bennett no. go on like this ridiculous streak to end the season one year? Yeah, Billy Volek and Drew Bennett were just an unstoppable force, like <laughs> like Bryce Petty and Robbie Anderson. Right, right. Oh my right. gosh. Oh, I love that. All right. Yeah. Let us know who has the remote, by the way. Tweet us. Um, also, let's close it out here quickly with Evan uh, with with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Evan, I know we tend to look at these games in a micro level with matchups, but from a macro perspective with the Steelers, who need help, they need the Ravens to lose and they need to win to get in. Is this the most disappointing team in the NFL this year? Oh, man. I mean, on many levels, yes, yes. They just have this way of, number one, playing down to their opponents. Number two, number two of just doing, like, finding themselves in, like, WTF situations. <laughs> like, they go to Oakland. There's a deal, you know, an issue with the x-ray room. You know, Chris Boswell is tripping in the oil spill in the middle of the field and like, you know, he can't even, he didn't even like miss the field goal. Like right. he fell down, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, um, the kicker they just gave an extension to, I mean, I, I feel like their performance on the field with the exception of these just mind boggling, what the heck is going on? You know, their performance on the field has been, I mean, they're as good as any team in the AFC. I yeah. mean, I, they're, they're as good as, I mean, Kansas city is tough, you know, but but Every Kansas City isn't one. perfect. Yeah. But Kansas City, City isn't perfect. I mean, they could they could go beat anyone, you know. And and they may and it looks like right now they may not make the playoffs. Although, 
Baker is very, very dangerous. Mm-hmm. And um, he will be facing off with the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, I think that that's going to be a low-scoring game. You know, the, I think the, the Browns' defense is really underrated. I think that they can do some things to – um, you know, to, to, to stymie the, the Browns I mean, or the Ravens. I mean, the Ravens are still pretty, you know, largely one dimensional. I mean, they definitely have shown the ability to, to flirt with some, some shot plays, but in the passing game, but they're still pretty one dimensional. And I think that it's going to be a low scoring game. It's going to be to me, like that's going to be the game that I want to watch on Sunday above all, just from a real football standpoint. And of course the NFL puts all the meaningful games at the four twenty five. Mark on the East Coast that Baltimore Cleveland game is at 4:25 um, out in the NFC, which we'll talk about here with Pat in a second. We have Philadelphia and Washington at 4:25, and Chicago and Minnesota at 4:25, and then the 8:20 Eastern Sunday Night Football game is in the in Tennessee. Again, winner gets in. And Evan, you mentioned it that Baltimore Cleveland game has an over under of 41 right now, so you might want to get some action on that. Uh, Evan, thanks so much. Again, you can check out Evan's matchups column up on Roto World. Right now, if you want to get in a little macro and go look at those matchups. And just after this, we have Rotopat on the NFC playoff picture. So stick with us. All right, it's time now to bring on Mr. Patrick Doherty, Rotopat. Pat, before we get into our discussion here on the on the NFC playoff discussion, Pat, first we need to talk about our sponsor, which is Purple Mattress. Uh, before we get into that, Pat, I do want to ask you, do you have any recurring nightmares? Um, this is not a joke. Like, this doesn't sound made up. But one, I think the only recurring nightmare I can think of is missing the Super Bowl. Um, and <laughs> I, I've had – and that was, like, before I was, like, a football writer. I've had a recurring nightmare. Yeah, in my – like, a minimum of four to five times I've had a nightmare about missing the Super Bowl. So, but it's not like once a year, like the week of the Super Bowl, you don't dream this. No, it doesn't have to necessarily be Super Bowl week. No, I mean, I think it'll be like uh, I wake up like in a cold sweat in July and be very thankful, you know, when I hit the home button on my phone to see the date, say like July 18th or whatever. One, and it's when I get behind in work and it makes total sense, is that I sign up for a class at school back at Elon. And I forget that I signed up for this class. And then I get an email for midterms saying, hey, your test in French 400 is tomorrow. <laughs> and I'm like past the date of, you know, getting rid of the class. And so I have to show up and take this course that I have no idea what is on the paper in front of me. And again, it happens when I'm behind on work. But Pat, I mean, that can happen like once a week during draft season when I'm trying to watch all these prospects. Sounds like you need it, to sign up for a French class. <laughs> I am. I did one of those twenty-three and Me. No uh, free ads on here, but um, I am eighty-five percent British and French. So, so maybe so. maybe that's just telling me. The reason I ask Pat is I'm not sure if Purple Mattress can help us out with our recurring nightmares, but it can help us out with a better sleep. Purple Mattress will probably feel different than anything you've ever experienced because it uses brand new material that was developed by an actual rocket scientist, not someone who dreams about being a rocket scientist, an actual rocket scientist. And it was not like memory foam that you're used to. The purple material feels very unique because it's both firm and soft at the same time. I always wonder, maybe I'll have a recurring dream of what that feels like, firm and soft. So it keeps everything supported while feeling really, really comfortable. Plus it's breathable, so it sleeps cool. Um, Purple Mattress has a 100-night risk-free trial. If you're not fully satisfied, you can return your mattress to a full refund backed by 10-year warranty, free shipping and returns, all that good stuff. Most important of all, ladies and gentlemen, you'll love Purple. 
And because of that, just text ROTO to 474747. And when you order your purple mattress, you get a free purple pillow. Again, the only way to do that is to text ROTO to 474747. Message and data rates may apply. Go check out Purple Mattress. I know Pat has someone who has a purple mattress. Um, Pat, okay, let's go to the NFC playoff structure. Playoff picture, I should say. The it's it's kind of locked up except for two spots, or really one spot. We know the Saints are in, we know the Rams are in, we know the Bears are in, not their seed. We know the Cowboys are in, we know the Seahawks are in. The last spot is open between the Minnesota Vikings and the Philadelphia Eagles. Pat, the Vikings face the Chicago Bears. So let's start there in that matchup. Um, what do you think about this Vikings team that sits at a super average eight, six, and one, and are right now in the sixth seed of the playoffs? I'll issue a quick disclaimer. We're used to the uh, ambient noise usually being the trains for you. Uh, today, my two-and-a-half-year-old daughter is playing with a ball pit that she got for Christmas. Wow. Was that a Santa gift or was that a Pat gift? That was a, a grandma and grandpa oh, gift. Oh, so they're the best. So, um, yeah, if you hear any ambient noise, uh, that's what it is. Um, so what am I supposed to about the Minnesota Vikings? Kirk, how Kirk Cousins is exposing everyone who believed in him like very oh. hardcore uh, earlier this year. We're starting off strong. Um, no, I mean, I was. What, what, what do we think of the Minnesota Vikings here, Josh? Because uh, you know the defense, I'd say it's done its part all year. Uh, not all year, uh, not quite as good as last year, but still a strong defense. Um, you know, they seem to have made a clear upgrade at quarterback. Uh, Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, both uh, you know, like in their three-year progression, took yet another step forward. So, like in theory, this is a team where like it seems like everything should have gone right for them this year, but instead, like you said, they're sitting at eight, six, and one, and. I, I'm left kind of like not really knowing what to make of that. Um, I know that uh, Mike Zimmer, what he wanted to make of it was get back to fire and brimstone football, run the ball more, fire, fire flip. Uh, God rest flip soul. We hope you're back soon. Flip. Um, you've been a, a favorite of the fantasy community for a long time. Hopefully you get a head coaching job one day. But ever since, you know, Zimmer did that, they're 2-0. and Yeah, of course, that involves throttling the Dolphins. So I guess that counts. Um but yeah, I, I don't know what to make of them. I just know that they should be better yeah. than eight, six, and one. That the the coach publicly committed to an identity, and that identity has worked for the past two weeks, and that they could be a dangerous team if they get in the playoffs, uh, playing the kind of Minnesota Vikings football. Yeah, look, I'm not going to say that the Vikings, if they get in, have like a strong chance of going deep into the playoffs. And I think it comes down, Pat, to one, how they lost early in the season, right? I mean, they basically lost because of their field goal situation. Um, and two, it's because of their offensive line situation. That is not it, – it has not no been improving all year long. <laughs> I mean, they've kind of mixed and matched and put in rookies, and Brian O'Neill might be like a long-term player at right tackle. But I think we talked about this on the draft show that we did um, during September that – the Vikings offense could go only as far as their offensive line would take them. And in periods that has not been good. What's interesting though, Pat is this week. Um, like I mentioned, the Vikings have something to play for obviously. And the bears have still have something to play for. Cause if um, they, they have a chance at the number two seed. Um, meanwhile, Pat, the Vikings are four and a half point home favorites against the Chicago bears who will be playing their stars. They will. I, I will say, I think the Vikings could make uh, a deepish playoff. I mean, I, I wouldn't, I'm not going to pick them to win the NFC, but we, we, would we really be surprised if they won the NFC? They're kind of like a, 
that old Ravens mm. formula on steroids where you've got the really strong defense. Uh, you've got some playmakers on offense, but I mean, we know Kirk Cousins is better than even a playoff elite Joe Flacco. Uh, it's, they, have, they just have a formula that works well in the playoffs when you have an, an elite defense and you've got like genuine playmakers like Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs, even Dalvin Cook even finally running back in form. Those are all genuine playmakers. And uh, they, to me, they do have the kind of roster that could spring two or three upsets in a row and make the Super Bowl. Again, I will not be picking them to win the NFC, but I like I would be far less surprised, say, if yeah. the Vikings ran the table than the Seahawks. Um I think that yeah, I would. They could be a. They could be a. They could surprise some and people. I'm, come January, I'm no come next year. rocket scientist, but Pat, I believe that there's a pretty strong chance that we get the Bears and Vikings in Week 17, and then we also get them in the first round of the playoffs because the Rams have to lose for the Bears to get into that two spot. We know the the Cowboys are locked into that four seed. And if the Seahawks don't lose, then the Vikings, if they win, are locked into that six seed. So, again, we get that three six seed and we get this game in Chicago, which I always find like not too fun, but it is what it is. We get it a fair amount of time. You mean if you, you, you're saying you find like the division rematch? Not yeah, too like back to back weeks of the same game, you know, like. I, well, yeah, especially when it's a third game, it's usually like a total slog when a football team gets to know like when they get to know each other that well. Uh yeah, it seems like the, the strengths and weaknesses, they right. they really, really know the other team's weaknesses by that point, and they, they can be kind of a right. slog. And especially, yeah, when it's these two kind of teams, when it's Mitch Trubisky, and then the suddenly we're going to run 45 times a game <laughs> Minnesota Vikings. How, how do you think Mitch has played? Um, is there anything that Poorly. we can take from his game other than like – I mean, we have this idea of Mitch. We had this idea of Mitch heading into the season, right, that – it's not necessarily he's going to elevate the people around him, but like in a successful offense, he can play well. Um, has it been any different than that other than he adds the element of being an athlete at the quarterback position? So when things go outside of structure, he can always create space and find space with his feet. Yeah, I think the takeaway from Mitchell Trubisky would be that the NFL and uh, the NFL's relationship with the quarterback position is finally becoming more like it is in college where you don't there there are more traits that can be utilized than just a huge arm and like a pinpoint accuracy where you have bright offensive minds like Sean McVay and Matt, Matt Vagy who you, you get a completely imperfect player like Mitchell Trubisky and like you said, the weaknesses are glaring but like we finally have guys who are, are trying to they're no longer trying to fit square pegs in yeah. round holes Matt Nagy is he's gonna he's gonna maximize what Mitchell Trubisky can do like what you said what he does best is probably going off script um I think Mitchell Trubisky is still like a worse Jared Goff. They have like some of the same issues. Um, of course, he's he's a better athlete, Much a better, better scrambler, better runner than Jared Goff. But like Jared Goff, so they have the same accuracy issues. But Jared Goff's accurate accuracy issues include so Jared Goff will make like two or three. He can make like two or three like confounding throws in a row. Like how in the world did he just miss that wide open guy twenty five yards down the field? But then he does things like he did in the Vikings game earlier in the season. You know where he hits like two or three like almost impossible right. throws down the field. I, so Trubisky has the same weakness in that regard, but I don't think he has the same strength. Mitch never really has a stretch where I'm like, okay, that actually is good. You can see why he's an NFL quarterback. You can see how he gets on these hot streaks. And but see, he does it in a different way though. So like, he has a game that's not as aesthetically pleasing, and the kind of game that can be underrated. Where because 
it's kind of, it's ugly. It's ugly when a quarterback like abandons the pocket and scrambles right. like the way Blake Bortles or Josh Allen. But I mean, it is a strength, and uh, maybe he's not as bad of a passer as uh, those two other guys. So maybe this we haven't figured out how to properly evaluate a player like Mitchell Trubisky in the new NFL, where like you don't necessarily have to have all the traditional traits to succeed that we think of in a successful NFL quarterback, but. Yeah, I've still seen a guy basically who was being uh, carried along by his coach. In his right, and I think what we've seen that separates a lot of offenses in the NFL, if you don't have a great quarterback, is a offensive play caller that can script and plan receivers that get open. No one's better at it than Sean McVay. Matt, Matt Nagy is amazing at it. Right. No one's better at it than Sean McVay, but Matt Nagy is also very good at yep. it. Uh, really, like when you think of this stuff, like Trey Burton completely wide open on his once in a blue moon. Yeah touchdown a few weeks ago and just it's uh Tariq Cohen frequently wide open uh Matt Nagy is very good at springing springing guys on wheel routes um maybe the next the mess the next Josh McDaniels in that regard hmm. um okay Pat there's only one other game that really matters in the NFC and thank goodness the Washington Redskins do not matter um because even though I've enjoyed I'm gonna interrupt them. your question because I'm gonna ask you about the third game that we kind of interrupt do you, what what would you have what would you put the Rams as odds at losing at against San Francisco yeah, I just want to just if you think zero, then tell me. No, zero. I don't think zero. Thirty three percent. Like, yeah, the 49ers my- are playing, man. Like they're playing for it. They just don't have the talent right now um, defensively. And it, it, they are going as far offensively as possible that Kyle Shanahan is, is a great coach. Right. But now without Dante Pettis, you know. Now without, yeah. um, now that they're starting Jeff Wilson at running back, you know, like it's it's just not a winnable situation, a winnable environment right now. Yeah, I just asked this question basically to lament that I, I feel like if the 49ers were at full strength, I would put the Rams as odds of winning at like 59%. Yeah. Like if they, if they came into this game with like a healthy Dante Pettis, a healthy Matt Breda, um, it was going to be like a, I feel like a much more fascinating football game than like the average fan would probably realize. But now the average fan, uh, doesn't realize that this could have been a fascinating game and they'll be correct because the Rams' odds of losing are probably like 19 That I mean, again, we talk about it, it seems like each and every week now, though, where the Rams operated in a perfect situation for multiple seasons or a season and a half, I should say. And now we've seen that what happens when they don't um, – or when they do allow pressure to the quarterback. And it's kind of like snowballs a little bit. And it's it's interesting it to watch as they creep towards the the playoffs because they kind of are creeping towards the playoffs right now. So when when it just reminded me of an image when when Jared Goff was struggling the three or four games, the image I was picturing in my head was this uh, Jeff Fisher's ten thousand foot wide head slowly rising over the horizon, <laughs> and you know it was it was him all along. Jared Goff was the Jeff Fisher quarterback all along. That that's what we call a JJ Zacharyson uh, repetitive nightmare. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. That I, now that would be a good. We're talking about recurring. That would be a good recurring recurring nightmare. Yes. Uh, Jeff Fisher's two mile wide head slowly right. rising over the horizon. Um, or like in Majora's Mask and Zelda, where the moon has like a face on it. You look up and that's Jeff Fisher's face superimposed on the moon. And it's like, a, <laughs> wow, that's a nerd reference for you. <laughs> yeah, so it's a little too. We're gonna have to edit that one out. You nope, want to know? Leaving a, it in. Roto, you want to know a Rotopat fact? Is that I never, yes. beat, I never beat Majora's Mask. I mean, at, at the age we were when it came out, there was too much pressure put on the character, on the player. You know? Like, you had this clock that was climbing down. I vaguely remember that. It sounds correct. Um, right. I mean, I, it's, loved, I loved Ocarina of Time, but did not beat Majora's Mask. 
I mean, it's, it's so different than Ocarina of Time when like you could just go willy nilly and freely and do whatever you want, you know, you and Epona, but in Majora's <laughs> Mask, like you, you were against the clock and that was too stressful for a 12 year old or whatever it was where we're at that age, you know, yeah, maybe it's go a back and play it now. Go back yeah, and play it now. We'd probably like it. The only other game that matters in the NFC this weekend, Pat, again, thank goodness it's not the Washington Redskins, even though I have enjoyed seeing Josh Johnson coming out of nowhere, coming off the street and performing better than a lot of quarterbacks we've seen be on rosters all season long. Um, That says something. Uh, But they are facing the Philadelphia Eagles who need to win and Minnesota to lose to get in. Um, Philly, once again, find themselves with Nick Foles at quarterback an absolutely atrocious secondary. And really they aren't playing to the, and they weren't playing perfectly entering the playoffs last year, Pat, but it seemed like every break other than the injury breaks were going their way when Nick Foles was at quarterback last year. And that's just not the case this year. Yeah. The, the, the Eagles 20, it's funny you mentioned that the 2017 Eagles, weren't they kind of like a legendary, like close, close game team? Like where they were like a team where like literally all the breaks went yeah. their way. And and even when Wentz was in there, it was third and ten situations they were converting at a historic rate. That's right. And that just That's doesn't right. happen. Yeah. That's unsustainable. Yeah, I don't know. Well, so what do we I'm gonna ask you again, like because I don't know, like what do we make what do we make of Nick Foles making it rain? And Nick Foles being uh, more explosive down the field and like Nick Foles having better chemistry with Alshon Jeffrey and Nick Foles killing and the Nelson meme. Aguilar. Yeah, say Nick Foles killing the meme that he didn't have chemistry with Zach Ertz. And uh, it's very strange team because, I mean, I'm still 100% certain Carson Wentz is better. But it is like – it's almost like they needed – I mean, this is really like a surface level analysis, but it's like really is like they needed like a wake up call or something. And like they needed like a shock to the system and nothing at all wrong with saying nothing about Carson Wentz. But just like a team that was like really struggling through a year that – you know, a championship team struggling through that kind of year is going to obviously make right. uh, everyone downcast. You, you know what, Pat? Like, I I think this all goes back just to small sample sizes. You know, yes, like it does. I, I I go back to when they lost the Panthers in that fourth quarter and they were up by like seventeen points or whatever it wasn't was. The only team to I think wasn't the only team to blow a seventeen point all year. The Eagles and it were was they? Twice. Yeah, I think and they did it twice. Uh, and that was like if they got one break, you know, they would have won that game, but they didn't get any breaks. Well, except for that final. Yeah. But, but, you know, it's again, reverting back to 2017 with this team, it seemed like every decision that they made that year worked out for them, right? Like putting in big V at left tackle that worked out (laughs) trading for JHI that worked out, right? Every single thing that they did was great. A Philly special that worked out all the moves that they made this year, like haven't worked out at all. No, No. (laughs) like the golden Tate trade. That has been awful. And before you know? that, like signing Mike Wallace, I mean, that's like a little different, but uh, yeah. It, it is, but like, um, you know, they, they once again had to revert to an undrafted free agent and Josh Adams at running back. Like a lot of, and, and how many injuries and injury luck is a huge part of success once you reach the playoffs. Like that hasn't gone in their favor either. Um, what I do like about this Eagles team, and it will be the case in 2018, 2017, and moving forward, is if something doesn't work, they're not just stuck in their ways about it, right? Like Golden Tate wasn't working out in an every down roll, so they're not using him in an every down roll. Instead, they've moved to a lot of 12 personnel with two tight end sets, right? Hashtag that is fantastic. 
Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a lot of fun to watch Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, who, I mean, at times, Pat, look like the best players on that offense and both played the same position, you know? Yeah. It's, just, it's funny. The Eagles, too, are kind of like a – it's like they're like a fascinating – with Foles and Wentz, like a fascinating dichotomy between like football like 10, 20 years ago and football now where uh, Carson Wentz is kind of like one of the epitomes of a – he's not like as accurate as, as like some of the guys at the very top of the league, like Drew Brees, right? He's kind of like the epitome of like a modern quarterback where it's just all about like ruthless efficiency, like kind of like avoiding mistakes, uh, taking like high – high percentage completions and then you see someone like Nick Foles more of like the the 90s to early 2000s quarterback where West Coast taking a shot oh that but like taking like far more shots playing a little more swashbuckling and just kind of Hmm. not um yeah just everyone runs the Patriots offense now kind of and like uh just efficiency at all costs because efficiency is what works and uh it's kind of nice to occasionally get a reversion to like a like a, a better Ryan Fitzpatrick, like a swashbuckling type. So, um, Pat, again, I know that the Vikings are favored, but like if you look at it from the better team perspective, this certainly lines up with Chicago winning, even on the road, and then Philly winning. So that means we get Philly in the playoffs. Who do you want in the playoffs? Who would you rather watch in the playoffs? Like I don't want Carson Wentz to play with like his back injury, you know, and I don't want like. This Philly team is a lot different than the one we saw last year. I want to see Minnesota in there. I really do. I do too. I do too. I want to see the great defense. I want to see. I want to see Adam Thielen. I want to see Stephon Diggs make big plays. And Dalvin Cook. I mean, Dalvin Cook wasn't yeah. a part of that team last year. No, yeah, and basically not this year until essentially right. the past month. And I, yeah, I want to see the young stars on offense. Well, Adam Thielen's not young anymore, but like the young, the 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 hot young players on offense and the good defense over. Kind of like this yeah. uh, ragtag, kind of like build it as you go Eagles team, like you said, is kind of they're they're ad libbing, which is admirable, but uh, to me, it seemed like the uh, clearly inferior team to the Vikings. Pat, they also seem like a team that will be able to easily reload in the off season. Yeah, though. I agree. I agree. Pat, that's it. That was a lot longer than I expected. Um, I didn't even mention your rankings at the top, Pat, but they are out. If for some reason you are doing anything fantasy football They're out. related, just to be honest with the people, you know, I, I didn't put out an embarrassing product, but it's it's you know it's not the same as a normal round. There's no analysis in this article. All right, um, and Williams don't listen. They're there if you need. Uh, them. <laughs> Pat, thanks so much, and to all of you out there, thanks so much for listening. Uh, leave a rate and review if you're already subscribed. If you're not subscribed, subscribe. Um, we'll talk to you all soon. See ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.